0: Hi everyone, my name is Bailey Parisi and I'm a nursing major at Ball State University in Muncie, Indiana. My hometown is Warsaw, Indiana, which is basically directly between Fort Wayne and South Bend. I'm a junior at Ball State and even though I may be majoring in nursing, English has always been one of my favorite subjects. So naturally, when the opportunity to look deeper into women's roles in death care, which is something that I actually think combines nursing and the research aspect of English, I had to jump at the opportunity. So let's dive right into it, shall we? Okay, so let's start out by defining what all death care exactly entails because when I first began this research journey 10 weeks ago, I had absolutely no idea what it was and certainly was unaware that it encompassed as much as it does. According to Livia Gershon's article, When Death Was Women's Business, death care encompasses the manner in which bodies are handled after death and was commonly performed by family for their own loved ones after their passing. At-home death care is an attempt at a more natural, nurturing alternative to the somewhat chemically abusive practices performed by funeral homes and those associated with them. Death care duties used to be performed entirely in the home and entirely by women, and this was the norm, but as we'll see a little later on in this podcast, that normality did not last very long. Philip R. Olson explains that death care's primary goal was to promote the overall view of death as a natural, non-threatening part of life and did so through alternative methods of preserving and caring for the body after death in a more natural manner than the usual and common embalming and brute violence used on corpses. Since death usually took place in the home and death care was viewed as an extension of caring for the ill, a role often assigned to women, the responsibility of caring for the body after death was delegated to women as well. Once undertaking became an established and accredited occupation, men were first assigned the jobs of caring for the coffin and the grave, and women remained in charge of caring for the actual body after commercialization however men then became responsible for caring for the body as well and women's rights were revoked as a consequence of cultural stereotypes that labeled women incapable of possessing the physical strength or knowledge necessary for caring for bodies after death according to george ann rumblatt's article exhuming women's pre-market duties in the care of the dead and this is where the location and caregivers of death care were altered as i promised you they would be Women were not stripped completely of their roles in death care, but they were demoted pretty severely. Renblatt expands on this idea and explains that the argument made was that the most appropriate place for women in the death care industry was in advertisements for products such as embalming fluids. I don't know about you, but to me, the shift from caregiver to billboard face seems like a pretty big one. In recent discussion of women's roles in death care, a controversial issue has been whether or not women are physically fit and scientifically inclined enough to have a role in death care. On the one hand, some argue that women's gentle demeanor is not enough to get the necessary and required jobs associated with death care done. This view believes that one must be smart enough and physically strong enough to possess a role in death care It argues that men are naturally smarter and commonly more physically fit, which would therefore delegate them a better candidate for certain roles in death care, such as lifting and carrying bodies and the embalming process. On the other hand, however, others argue that it is a women's nurturing nature that makes them a proper fit and an ideal fit for roles in death care. From this perspective, it can be argued that scientific inclination nor physical fitness play any part in delegating death care roles. Simply put, this view states that it is more important for those involved in death care to be patient, kind, and understanding when caring for the dying, the deceased, and their families. In the words of Sarah Donnelly and Chardy L. Bard, one of this view's main proponents, we will likely see women performing the job duties of funeral director that are associated with being caring and nurturing. Those duties will likely not be viewed as skills and they will likely be less valued. According to this view, even if women are assigned roles in death care, they will still be seen as inferior to their male counterparts. In some, then, the issue is whether or not women are capable of fulfilling the responsibilities associated with death care. My personal view is that women are no less capable or able, physically or mentally, to perform death care duties. Though I concede that male figures may prove beneficial in certain aspects of death care, such as transporting bodies, I still maintain that women are fully capable of successfully performing all death care tasks. For example, Women's generally gentle nature does offer a kind and nurturing inclination that may allow them to more easily connect with and gain the trust of dying individuals and or their families. Some are more likely to trust a woman with caretaking responsibilities. However, this is not to say that women are only useful from an emotional standpoint. Women are proficient in, and proved so throughout history, caring for dying individuals. This includes not only emotionally, but physically as well. Although some might object that men are more able to meet the physical demands of death care than women, I would reply that it takes more than muscle to care for somebody, especially at the end of their life. Women provide the loving environment many wish to have before and when passing, and while they may not be able to lift or transport bodies as easily as men can, they're still capable of it and have done it for many years prior to the commercialization of the death care industry. The issue is important because it goes against gender equality, something that is pushed so heavily in today's society. It backs gender normative stereotypes without any evidence to prove or support the general claim and fails to acknowledge the history of death care and women's roles in the field. When completing this research, I chose to use a primary research method of observation. I figured that there would be no better way to answer the questions I had about the death care industry than to see how it runs for myself. I observed three different funeral homes specifically to see how women were involved in the funeral home industry. The funeral homes observed were Titus Funeral Home, McHatton Sadler Funeral Chapels, and Redpath Fruth Funeral Home. Because I was unable to observe natural at-home death care and observe women's involvement in that, I chose funeral homes as a second option. During my observation, I spent approximately 30 minutes at each funeral home and counted the number of men versus women involved in death care at that funeral home. I also used artifact analysis. Because this is an active process and will not yield results or answers without direct questions, I chose to utilize and take advantage of both historical and modern artifacts and chose to analyze different scholarly and popular articles as well as different books in order to gain insight on my specific topic and questions. I chose these specific artifacts to analyze because they provide information on death care in the past as well as death care today. Interviews and surveys did not make sense to me in this situation, specifically because the question I'm seeking to answer, why women were removed from death care responsibilities, would be very difficult to answer using either of those research methods. Unless I had access to funeral directors or other individuals associated with the funeral and or death care industries prior to the Civil War, it would seem any answers that I received utilizing either of these two methods would not be credible, as they would simply be opinions and or hearsay. However, observation was not the only strategy that I utilized for this research as I also completed the three stages of document analysis. Let's look at that a little closer, shall we? For the preparation stage, I researched all funeral homes near me. I also visited the Ball State University library database in order to find scholarly and peer-reviewed articles on my topic. From there, I decided which three of the funeral homes I would visit and for how long I would be observing these different homes. I also decided which articles would be useful to me throughout my research process. I then researched for popular articles and books that discussed my topic, as well as the research question that I had proposed. For the second stage, the review stage, I took notes on my observations from each of the three funeral homes, making sure to know exact numbers for each home. As for the artifact analysis performed, I read and studied the material that I had chosen to analyze. I took note of relevant information in each source, identified questions I had after reading each article, and then went back through each article in order to answer my own questions in order to ensure my own understanding. As for the wrap up stage, I reviewed all of the notes I had taken during my observations. I then reread the abstracts of each scholarly article, the description of each book, and each popular article so that I was able to write brief summaries on each. This made it easier for me to organize both my thinking and my notes. I also organized all requirements for my project as well as the answers I had found to my questions while reading i chose the observation method because it made the most sense to me when considering the specific questions i had on my topic it was the simplest way for me to find an approximate man to woman ratio in local funeral homes i chose artifact analysis method because specifically because of the relevance and benefit that this method presented for my topic because the topic i'm researching is a historical one i knew the artifact analysis would yield the most accurate and helpful results Surveys and interviews would not be beneficial in my research unless I was able to survey or interview men and women involved in death care prior to the Civil War, something I was not able to do. I could have interviewed or presented surveys to individuals involved in death care today, or even individuals not involved, but their opinion on death care and women's roles in the past would be just that, an opinion, not fact. Artifact analysis was, in my opinion, the best and most credible way to conduct research and gather information on this topic. Now, the moment you've all been waiting for, huh? Who's ready for some raw facts and results? Because I used observation as my primary research method, I was able to easily and effectively obtain the results that I was looking for. At the first funeral home I performed my observation at, I counted and recorded 3 men and 1 woman involved in death care roles. At the second funeral home, I observed 3 men and 2 women, and at the third funeral home, I observed 5 women and only 2 men with roles in death care. As for my artifact analysis, the results obtained from this method were also very straightforward. Let's get some facts straight first, huh? Prior to the Civil War, natural death care was an expectation. Bodies were cared for and preserved by women in an entirely natural manner. There were no chemicals, no brute force, no violence used post according again to Philip R. Olson. Women were chosen for this role simply due to their nurturing nature. They were seen as natural caregivers, so it made sense for them to be assigned to the role of death care caregivers as well. Once undertaking as a profession became commercialized and obtained more popularity, gender stereotypes were set into play and women's roles in the field were revoked. It was stated that this was because men were seen as more physically and scientifically inclined to care for bodies post-mortem. The number of women involved in death care continues to decrease until 2015, when the National Funeral Directors Association, or NAFTA, released and announced its most recent list of trends in the funeral industry, according to Patricia Hartley's article, Women in Death Care Coming Full Circle in the Funeral Service. Increased technology and personalization topped the list, of course, supporting the 21st century demands, but a new face in death care was also in demand, and this new face was that of women. As of 2016, only 26.3% of employed morticians, undertakers, or funeral directors were female. Recently, however, that number has risen to around 57% per Hartley. Women in the field have begun supporting each other, and it has been stated that death care has really come full circle. So, let's sum up what we've learned thus far, because the information in this podcast has definitely not been scarce. Let's create a women in death care for dummies, if you will. There's no denying that the industry and concept of death care as a whole has changed over the years, but it may not have changed quite as much as one may think. Prior to the Civil War, death care was an act that took place solely in the home and was performed mainly by women. Women were originally designated roles in death care because of their naturally nurturing nature. Dying was historically seen merely as an extension of caring for the ill, a role commonly assigned to women, so the roles of death care were also assigned to women. After commercialization of the industry, however, this changed. Men soon became the sole caretakers of the dying and deceased. This was because of gender stereotypes that labeled women as unfit for the position, arguing that men were more physically fit and scientifically inclined, both factors that would allow them to perform death care duties better than women. The male takeover of the profession lasted many years, however. A 2015 study revealed a desire for women once again in the death care field, In order to get a better firsthand look at women's roles in death care today, I conducted a study in my hometown, Warsaw, Indiana, which observed and examined women's participation in three different local funeral homes. The yielded results supported the claim that women are beginning to make a comeback in the death care field. Although across the three funeral homes, there were still more men total involved in undertaking than women, women's involvement in the industry has increased since the initial commercialization of the industry. The results obtained in my research proved to be both Very important and very useful when considering the main research question proposed. Why exactly were women removed from the role of death care in the first place? Especially considering the great success that had been presented in the past with women's role in the field. The number of women in death care decreased dramatically following the commercialization of death care in the death care and funeral industries. Women were seen as unfit, both physically and mentally, to care for individuals post-mortem, and the role was turned over to men, with women left to serve merely as attractive objects, used to advertise equipment and products utilized by men in the funeral industry. Today, however, women are making a comeback in the field and are redesigning the death care industry, proving to themselves and others that women are capable of this role, and they always have been. Now, if you stuck with me through all of that information, i give you an electronic pat on the back because unless you've looked into this topic before, that was a lot of information I threw at you. I personally find it interesting how women's roles in death care really seem to have come full circle. I suppose us women have always known our worth and now the rest of the world is finally figuring it out, huh? Anyways, thanks again for sticking with me and it's my hope that you gained some useful knowledge on the topic, even if you weren't necessarily looking for it. Use it at family gatherings or parties as conversation starters if you'd like. Or put it in your back pocket for a rainy day if you prefer to go that route. Either way, thank you again and so much. And have a great rest of your day, guys. Bye.